0: Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast and uh, this week we are back in the world of cash shells and more interestingly uh, we're in the world of digital advertising speaking to Electric Guitar which is a newly listed cash shell on the London Stock Exchange and here with us today we have John Regan who is the chief executive of Electric Guitar so welcome to the podcast John.
1: Thank you,
0: Stuart. Um, so basically, I wanted to quickly start off um, for the for the purposes of listeners who are not familiar with um, cash shells or SPACs. Um, can you give us just a brief um, summary of, of what what a cash shell is?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company, and that that kind of describes what it does. Um, it's a vehicle which is um listed on the stock exchange but it has no assets apart from um the cash in the business and 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 the point of that, that that business um is it's a way of of raising money which then allows us to find appropriate companies to either invest in or acquire completely um and for the company that's being acquired it's a much quicker way for them to come onto the um public markets than via an ipo so they get access to cash quickly and of course for us as well it's a similar thing so it gives us a really efficient mechanism, which allows us to buy and build, as in, in the case of our strategy, the type of business that we need to need to um, need to create.
0: Now, this is this is a vehicle that is specifically going to be targeted at opportunities in the digital advertising space, um, and and you are listing this because you can see that world starting to change can can you just tell us a little bit about how that changes because i think a lot of people are probably very used to digital advertising in the form of um you know website advertising facebook google ads things like that um what's what's happening in the market now that 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 is starting to shake it up and and create those potential opportunities
1: well there are two main drivers actually which are, which are changing the market um now the one which people within the industry are talking about and, and, and other consumers may well be aware of in the background is all to do with privacy. So in the past, in fact, even even now, um, when you are browsing online or using an app or, or doing or replying to an email or anything else like that, there is a tremendous amount of information which gets gathered and then is used by advertisers to work out what you're likely to buy and to target. Um, and there since the 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 implementation of various bits of data legislation across the world there's been a huge question mark over the legitimacy of that Um, and as the online world and the offline world are merging and almost becoming one thing now with things like augmented reality and huge use of the internet governments are becoming increasingly concerned about how that new society is going to work so they're increasingly concerned about this privacy issue and the big technology providers are concerned as well they don't want Government interference. And so they're trying to preempt this legislation. And that's the big thing, actually, ironically, which is concerning the advertising industry more than the legislation. So you have these giant companies like Facebook and like Google um, who are coming in now saying, OK, fine, rather than get pushed around by the government, we're going to regulate how advertisers use the information that they're using to target you. Um, and that is then affecting the way that advertising has to work from the point of view of an advertiser. And the big thing there. That you may have heard about is Google are talking about stopping the use of third-party cookies, which was the main mechanism for tracking you around the internet. And if they do that, when they do it, in fact, they've said they're going to do it by the end of 2023, they'll block everything coming out of their Chrome browser. And when you add that, that's about 60 or 70% of the entire browser marketplace. When you add that to things which Apple have already done, and which Microsoft have done, that means that between 80 and 90% of all of your browsing information, which is currently powering this industry, is going to be blocked. So advertisers have got to find a new way of, doing, of, of dealing with that. Um, and of course, also on the other side, of it, there's great concern because this means that, that, that Google and Facebook, or Meta, as I, as I should say now, have got tremendous control of that information and tremendous control of the advertising market. So if you are a big advertiser, and some of these advertisers, people like Samsung, for example, are spending $8 billion a year on advertising, suddenly you've got this issue where your big pipeline is being controlled by Facebook and Google, um, which is a big concern. So so advertisers themselves are looking at other ways of, of integrating with people and dealing with this data. Now, actually, that's a small part of a much bigger push, which is technology driven. And the technology there is the fact that everything's getting faster and more powerful and everything else. And that means the type of experience an advertiser should be able to create for us as consumers is much richer now than it has been in the past. And so what we've seen is a number of market leaders and the ones that everyone talks about are people like Apple and Tesla, and various others, a number of market leaders have been using that data and artificial intelligence and the internet and very fast connections to change the way they talk to us. Um, and the, you know, the, the easiest way to, the easiest comparison to make I always think is if you compare Apple and Dell, they both make computers, but Apple, you don't really see a normal type of advert from Apple. But what you do see is these fantastic events where people are you know, queuing around the block to see the newest iPhone and queuing outside of an Apple store just to get their hands on, on, on one of these new things. And we all know if Apple creates an Apple TV or an Apple car or something new like that, everyone is going to be going crazy for it. But the same doesn't apply for Dell. Dell is a massive business, $80 billion market cap last time I looked, so it's still a massive, hugely successful computer business, but it doesn't feel the same as Apple, and that's because Apple deal with their advertising differently, and it's because they're creating what what the industry terms an experience as opposed to an advertising process, and the way we we perceive that is it's almost a hobby. You always become a fan of Apple, and they just drip-feed information to you, whereas Dell will push information at you saying buy the latest Dell computer, isn't it cheap, isn't it great, here's a sale, and Apple just don't do that. Tesla in a very similar way. They claim, I'm not sure this is true, but from what I've seen it seems to be true, they claim that they have done no advertising whatsoever, Tesla, um, it's all done through PR and their app, Elon Musk's high profile and all of those types of things, but they've got 72% retention of customers now, which is incredible in the car industry, and you know, come from nowhere pretty much within Four or five years to become the second biggest car seller in the UK this year, and similarly in the States. And they've done that through this experience. Now their experience, they a car maker, not a, not a technology maker like Apple, but it's a very similar idea. You have, I don't know if you've heard, anyone's ever sort of experienced this, but if you look at the Tesla app, they talk to you from start to finish. So if you download it and fiddle around with it just because you want to see what a Tesla looks like, you start to build your car and before you know it they're telling you that for 300 quid they'll deliver that car to your driveway within three or four weeks. Well, it's longer now because of the chip shortage, but it's there. But also then, of course, what they then do is they then talk to you about how you can finance that car. And then at the end of the the life cycle of that car, they'll come back to you and offer to buy it from you and replace it with a new Tesla in your driveway within a couple of weeks again. So you can see that's a very different experience to the established automotive manufacturers where You might see an advert, go to a dealership, talk to a salesperson, talk to someone different about servicing, and then when you come to sell your car again, you've got to go through a whole negotiation process, even if you're selling it back to the dealership. Um, And so that kind of smooth, technology-driven experience is what's really making life better for consumers, but of course making life much better for advertisers as well, because they get all of that rich information about you, and you're very compliant and complicit in that, because it's to your benefit, they can improve their service to you. and it's outside now of this risk, which is Facebook, Google, government legislation. So that's the big change. And, and I think you know it's, it's kind of this combination, this, this privacy is a small part of that because they'd be doing it anyway. Um, but it's quite a catalyst, which is, which is driving things along. And of course, there is a real line in the sand, which sometime in 2023, Google are gonna switch off this, this pipeline and, and take control of it themselves.
0: So so it sounds to me it's a little bit like um if we look at say the 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 oil and gas industry which we cover a lot as well that industry is having to really revise the way it's it does business because of the shift to green energy here you're almost talking about a, a similar re- um, revolution where there have been established players established media agencies established ways of doing things And and that that's all being transformed now and that's going to create opportunities for new companies, uh, companies that are probably potentially already out there. And it's those companies that that you're you're most interested in. Yeah.
1: I mean, what's really interesting about this opportunity is there's there's a real seismic shift in, in, in the way the advertising market works from the point of view of people providing services to that market. And that that shift is this. Right up until now, the real focus for advertising has been creating really great content and then pushing that at people. But it's the content that's important. You know, It's the Don Drapers of this world coming up with really engaging stories that appeal to as many people as possible, really. And then it, and they push that to you. Um, and now the shift is going to be saying, OK, fine, we're not going to do that. We're going to create something that you want, which is so useful and helpful and everything else. And we're going to engage you that way. Rather than making it look attractive, we're going to make it actually attractive to you and the reason that shift of emphasis is significant is because it's changing from the creative aspect to data you need data to understand how best to engage with a consumer you need to understand what situation they're in you need to understand where they are you need to understand what they want and you need to make automated decisions because this needs to be very individually focused now that data skill i mean businesses talk about you know data content digital already now they talk about that, but but they're using that to optimise content. So you may get a slight variation in the advertising that you see or the way that the app works based on the content in there, but that's not the same as actually optimising a, optimizing a whole business supply chain to you. And so the data now is much more critical, and the skills required to produce what we talk about as a 360-view degree view of each consumer where you know as much as possible and you know what you know about them so you know what the accounts department knows about that person what the advertising department knows and what's been communicated to them if there have been complaints if there is a long customer history where you know all of that in one place and then you respond to that in a contextual way because the more involving this experience becomes the more odd it will seem that the app or the way you're integrating with 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 that service doesn't know something about you. So, you know, I'm sure everyone has a story about how they complained to, 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 to a brand or an advertiser. And the next thing they saw was an advert to something and they didn't acknowledge the complaint because they simply didn't know about it. That can't happen anymore. The data needs to be there. And that 360 degree view is really important to allow that to happen. They need to know and they need to get it right. You know, if there are two John Regans there, they need to know there are two. And they don't want to talk to the Ron John Regan about the other John Regan's complaint. They need to be able to separate those two. Now, those skills and that expertise have existed for 30 years, but that was outside of advertising. That was direct marketing. It was direct mail. It was email. And there's a whole host of skills around that, but they've never really come together. But now they have to. And that's the real opportunity is there are. These established data businesses, which don't know that market, and there are established advertisers which don't know the data market. Now the two are coming together. Now for us, we're a hybrid of experiences. I, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I have started digital advertising businesses, and I've also started, run, and exited from from data businesses, you know, from from twenty or thirty years ago. So so that coming together is our real opportunity because we can bridge that gap. You're listening to the Armchair Trader podcast.
0: And that that that's that's really exciting. I mean, you you've as you say, you've got you're somebody with a a very long track record in this space. You're not coming to it fresh. Um, you're understanding um, the opportunities there. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the the rest of the the team at Electric Guitar who you've put together to work with?
1: Yeah. Um, so, if you like, there were, <laughs> there are two two elements to the team. There is the element of the team which I put together. To start this process off, and of course, this process is going to be all about acquiring our first business and the second and the third. So, for that that team, um, I've pulled together um, a really old friend of mine, actually, who <laughs> recruited me into my first data job twenty five years ago. Um, Luke McKeever, um, who um, I should, for Luke's you know sanity, say he is a similar age to me. <laughs> He's not ancient, but um, Luke, Luke has run, I think, it's four aim listed technology businesses as as as, as chief exec. Um, He's got a great track record in that marketplace and really understands how to talk to investors and to public markets about what we're doing in a way that they will understand him and we understand. So he has got that that fantastic record there. Um, And also um, I'm working with um, a guy called John Hutchinson, who is this, he says not, but I think very rare combination of an entrepreneur and a long in the tooth corporate lawyer. Um, For me... Lawyers tend to be very, very process driven, which limits the imagination. But actually John is this hybrid of both. And again, so he's been entrepreneurial himself. He's been involved in a number of different businesses, but he's also had a 20 year, no 30 year history in corporate law, very senior in, or in, in, um, well, he's now an NED of, of BDB Pittman's law firm and working um, at senior level in a number of businesses, which he's come in as a mentor or as an investor. Of. So he's joining us as well as our chairman. Um, and so, of course, from the point of view of making sure that we're doing everything correctly, following due process and that whole experience of negotiating those types of deals, John is the guy that we've got on our team to do that for us
0: well, that's fantastic and and i mean i've I've touched briefly on the sort of uh companies you're looking for but but is is it fair to say that you're looking at potentially making i know you can't really go into because you're a cash shell you can't really go into um a huge amount of detail but but from the perspective of future acquisitions are you looking at buying more than one company it's it's a case of picking up multiple opportunities and merging them together under a um you know a bigger corporate listed corporate umbrella structure yes
1: yes that, that, that's quite right i mean there, there, there are two or three elements that we know we need to create within this business um the first um is is we need that really robust industrial strength data infrastructure to underpin all of this, and that needs to be at a global scale. So we envisage that we will buy two or three data businesses to give us that global coverage, um, large ones to start off with, but still looking around global coverage. But what we also need is that advertising experience as well. So there will be advertising technology businesses, businesses which are producing, all all with a technical bent, but producing advertising content, um, buying program programmatic media. So there is a whole host of businesses that, that we will be pulling together so that we've got um, a seamless service, which means that we understand and can deliver the elements from the data all the way through to the experience which which people are seeing as a result of the, of, of the marketing that's taking place. But we know that actually the big part of the transformation, the thing that agencies and advertisers need right now, and all of the market surveys are saying there are skill shortages in this area, the thing that they need right now is that data skill, which I described, that ability to create that 360 degree view of a, of a consumer is, is, is what's really um, lacking in the market at the moment. So that's where we're going to go first is to create that.
0: So in, in effect, really, we're talking about the creation of a company that that is um, quite a rare beast at the moment um, and um, one that is um, potentially going to have quite a, a strong competitive edge against um, some of the sort of bigger traditional advertising agencies on the street who are in turn going to have to evolve or die over the next few years?
1: Well, I think certainly the latter comment, evolve or or die, is is, is very important, yes. And they're very aware that they need to do that as well. None of them are naive to to this change. And, And the more you look at websites and annual reports from all of the large agencies, the more they're talking in the language, which I've been familiar with for the last 20 or 30 years, about data and about experience and about that view but where, where, where they are where they are behind the curve is their technology and their data technology and the machine learning they 're using has been focused around this optimization process. You know, how do I most efficiently get a response from a person for product x and the challenge with that is is it 's a very limited view of what 's going on really interesting i mean if you, if you look at the, the figures and the things they 've done really effectively. We know from advertising, from looking at return on investment, from doing that type of digital analysis, if you do what's called retargeting, and that's the really annoying thing everyone talks about, where these adverts just follow you around the internet, even if you bought the product. Now, on average, that's between five and 10 times more effective on an ROI point of view than just doing it once. But actually doing it once is not as irritating. Now, the reality there is what you might be doing there is taking an advertising campaign response rate from, you know, 0.5%, maybe as high as 2% that doesn't deal with the other 90, 98% of people that you're, that you're getting on the nerves of. And that's where this experience becomes important. And it's a much more grown-up approach to it. The reason it wasn't done in the past is it wasn't possible, but now it is. And that's the shift in thinking that needs to take place and in data technology that needs to take place. But what we envisage, actually, is that this is you know a specialist area and actually we will be working with those agencies because you know they're great at creative, they're great at what they do, and we can feed seamlessly into the bottom of that and just both feed off each other and, and, and improve them that, that way. And what we've seen in the market generally, you know, there have been some some businesses which have come into the market, grown really, really rapidly through specialising in digital advertising and tech enabled content and that type of thing. They've grown really rapidly. And if you look at their annual reports, what you see is that actually... They are working and, and some of their key clients are those big agencies who are working with them behind the scenes to, to combine the best of both worlds and we see that we'll fit into that market for a long time to come in in a similar sort of way
0: so once you once you've made you know, one or more acquisitions and you you're on the road to building the business, who do you see as being the, the the sort of companies who would become clients of the business I mean obviously some of these a lot of these businesses will come with existing clients who they're already dealing with. But you're talking here about um, a hybrid entity, which is really gonna be much more on the cutting edge of what's happening with advertising and data. Yeah. Um, do you in, t- anticipate being a little bit more like an S4 Capital and starting to win some of the bigger contracts with blue chip names, or is it gonna be more of a um, sort of a mass mass market approach dealing with lots of different um smaller businesses as well.
1: Um we think that it will be um fairly similar to S4 in the way that they work. And, and something that you know you should say about S4 actually is if, if you look at their client roster, they talk about Martin sorrell talks about his Whoppers, but also if you look at their clients, they are also other advertising agencies too. Um, and we think that that's similar. From my experience in the past, it you end up with some clients where you're working directly with the client. And their agencies are still there sitting alongside you, but you're talking to the client about what you're doing and they're communicating between the two of you. And sometimes you work with the agency and actually the agency is in between you and, and, and the client. So it's going to be a combination of those those, those two things. Um, the market is different now in that the data element is much more critical. So we expect to be a lot more involved in those client conversations. But you know, we know that there are specialisms that, that the agencies have been delivering for fifty years or more um, that really we don't want to get too far into because we can provide the fuel that allows those things to continue to work more effectively. So, yeah, that, that's it's it, it's it's a hybrid situation like that. I think.
0: And presumably, an industry which is becoming more and more global as well all the time. So you would expect to be working across working across borders in terms of uh, deploying campaigns and and working with clients. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Digi- digital advertising is. A global market. It, 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 it's very difficult to, to just limit your audience to just, just one country, it, it, it's, it's much broader than that. So yes, we would be expecting to work be working at a global level with, with um, the vast majority of clients and advertising agencies in the way that they do. And it's, it's also worth saying actually that in this market, of course, the majority of big advertisers, I'm not sure if there are any exceptions to this actually, all work with more than one agency. And they have you know they'll have one agency that will specialize in a particular area because they like the way they work there, and separate agencies that, that will work in, in a different area and Again, we expect that to happen too, so we will be in that in that sort of roster. Um, but what we do not expect to be doing is going out to compete head to head with WPP or Mediacom or, or any of their, you know we, we see that see ourselves as something which is a complementary product which makes what they do more effective and at the end you know the end result of that is that as a consumer. As a person receiving our product, and our product is advertising as opposed to the product we're actually advertising, but receiving our product, you will benefit because it's a much more effective way a way which actually helps you as opposed to tries to persuade you, which is slightly different a way that does that, um, a way that, try, that, that helps you and delivers a better service based on creating a really good understanding of, of, of who you are and what you need. But doing it, you know, one thing that's really important, you know, we talked about the shift in the market and this concern about privacy and you know, all interwoven with this is, is there is increasing concern about within the, within the global population about the ethical behavior of large manufacturers and advertisers. And this is all part of it. Our clients will need to be confident that what is being done with consumer data as it becomes even more pervasive is absolutely transparent to the person that the data is about absolutely controllable by that person. And the reason that that data will remain accessible is because the experience and the service which they're being given, which relies on that data, will be so valuable that they won't want to walk away from it. And that they understand that they can control it if they want to, they don't feel suspicious of it because the whole relationship is very transparent. Um, And they believe that there is, you know, and they know it's more valuable to give up that data, and they trust the person they're giving it to, To receive the service in return and that that's a very important element of this.
0: So it it does sound like a very different um a different world from the consumer's perspective than the one we have at the moment where um advertising will look and feel much more personalized and as you say um much more valuable. I mean for
1: for a long time I've been really curious as to how privacy policies get written because if you talk you know, millions of pounds are invested in brand strategy and creating the right message and creating trust and then at the same time you have this you know, tiny tiny small print full of legalese which is almost designed to obfuscate what's happening with the data and how do the two marry together how does, how does your beautiful trusting relationship with your consumer marry with a three page document which is designed for no one to ever read it and you just want them to tick a box to give away their information it, the two need to come together. Um, and actually we're beginning to see it now where there are some very very clear open transparent statements about data you know for the first time i received an email i think it was about 18 months ago now but i was i was very pleased to see it it came from superdrive funny enough um saying john your privacy is important to us just so you know this is the information that we have on you is that okay now you know when i started in the data industry that would have been absolute anathema why on earth would anyone do that you know we would, yeah, they were burying things right in the small print, and now it's the opposite of that because people know, advertisers understand that that um, that the more they obfuscate, the more suspicious people become. And in this new new world, that's a very dangerous thing to be doing.
0: Yeah, uh, this is very true. Thank you very much indeed for your time today, John. That's been that's been really um, very interesting indeed, and um, I hope we'll be able to uh, get you back on the podcast again. Uh, further down the road, um, and once you have more you can talk about um, with the progress of electric guitar.
1: Thank you, Stuart.
0: Thank you, John. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.